welcome to Product Coffee, um, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. So grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes of, uh, at a time. I'm one of your product co-hosts, Zach LaGreca. I'm Jody Mesa, Bergen DeVal. And I'm Jake Whirlin. Awesome. So today we are going to talk about uh, MVPs. So some of you listening may know this term. Um, some of you may not know this term. Um, so do we, does anyone here want to try and take an initial stab at defining what an MVP is? What does it stand for? Jody, what does it stand for? Minimum Viable Product. Hey, we Yay! got that. We got that far. Gold star for the day. Yeah. <laughs> 30 minutes is up. Yeah. So this has been product and coffee. <laughs> um, yeah, so a minimum viable product is a, a pretty standard concept uh, in, in uh, the business and startup world, um, but it, it's kind of an important one. It, it was really popularized um, by the lean startup um, and uh, folks like Mark Andreessen, a, a pretty prominent uh, entrepreneur and now venture capitalist in Silicon Valley. I mean, really, you know, the idea of a minimum viable product is getting something small out quickly so that you can start testing and learning to validate whether or not your your product idea is something that can scale and be successful. Um, but I think uh, as the industry has matured and progressed, um, the definition of, of a minimum viable product has become kind of a fuzzy thing. Like It means different things to different people, and so that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today. So going a little bit further than MVP, let's just start with our own internal perspectives uh, from, from a product management standpoint. Uh, what, what do we think an MVP is or should be? Yeah, so I think what we've found is MVP has gotten this kind of negative connotation uh, a little bit, but the idea of it is really to find what is a good product market fit. What is something that I think the the viable part is the most important part of it, making sure you can put something out there that is small, but something that is actually valuable and addresses a, a, a need so that you can start learning and iterating on the product. I think a lot of times MVP has been used for what is the quickest thing we can develop mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes that's not the right answer and so making sure that it's whatever your MVP is that it's really grounded in solving an urgent problem uh, even if it's just something that's very quick that you can get out. So I think that's really, really an important part of the MVP. Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways to look at an MVP as well, both from a design standpoint as well as from an engineering standpoint. I think it depends on the area, I mean, multiple um, areas of the business you could be iterating on from an MVP standpoint. So you could even work with the design team to get UX and like envision uh, prototypes from an MVP standpoint in front of potential users. I think the biggest thing from an M for or why MVPs are important is that you're not investing so heavily on the most expensive side of the business, which would be engineering, um, before getting a product in front of consumers to ensure that what you're building is actually going to, mm-hmm. to Jody's point, meet a consumer's needs. So we spend a you know, engineering resources are the most expensive thing from a business standpoint. So the more that you can test with users to ensure that your engineers are building the right thing before fully investing, um, you know, in the full stack product, I think uh, is, is why an MVP really is important. 
Um, I, I do think there's, again, approaches as well, whether you have an MVP for your beta and your alpha test versus going direct to an end consumer. So I think that's another area we can dive into as well as part of today's discussion. Yeah, I mean, I look at MVPs as having fun without commitment, right? Um, <laughs> these are th- these are things where you are you have a hypothesis about something, right? You have a guess. I, I think our users behave in this way in this context. How can you go prove if that's true or not without committing to those expensive resources? Which, in the case of our business, is engineering, right? Yeah. And in a lot of cases, I mean, you hear a lot about like different types of decisions. Are they reversible, right? And if you start building some things, depending on the complexity of that project, you may not be able to say, oh, we're just gonna do it for a week. Like if you kick a project off, you're committed, right? So how can you, how can you answer the questions that you have about your users and about their value perceptions and about how they find the most value and solutions to problems without having to build something big to figure it out. And oftentimes, a good MVP is not involving engineering, right? Can you just put a button on a screen that actually doesn't do anything, but you just see how many times people click on it? And you're like, oh, okay, they want a button there and they want it to do this. Great, let's go build that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point because it doesn't always have to be even something that takes you know two weeks or, or has any engineering resources. Uh, when we used to look into products and to determine if this was something that would solve a problem, sometimes we would do some paid advertising and put up a landing page and just see if we could collect email addresses. Like if like if people were interested in that value proposition, would they be willing to go enough to give you your their email address and say yes, this is something that solves a problem? And you can iterate on the language and the problem and try to decipher like what is what are you trying to solve for? And that didn't involve any uh, engineering resources and then you can get some of that information uh, to be able to determine what your MVP really should be when you go into the development cycle. Yeah, I think that one of the key things is building or making something quickly enough that will validate a business, a core business idea. Uh, I think there's kind of a, a myth you feel when you first start making stuff. I know I felt this way where you build something you think's really cool and you just expect people to be excited about it. It's like, build it, you know, and there's, I think you know, there's this idea of build it and they will come, uh, which is kind of the opposite, I think, how it often works with... with uh, yeah, we aren't making cornfields now. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, and so I, I think MVPs are, are a way to help guard against that so that you don't build this grand thing that you're excited about that actually isn't solving a user problem, isn't solving a business need. Um, and you know, so validating it before you invest all those engineering resources. Yeah, I think on top of that, like it just made me think of a broader point about product management in that it's a very humbling profession, right? I think to Zach's point, you can have this really cool idea, get very much emotionally invested in it, but like an MVP is basically a risk management tool, mm-hmm. right? Where you don't go running down this path of like, oh, this is awesome, everyone's gonna love it, and then you build this like amazing motorized tricycle scooter with spoilers, and you're like, oh, there might be 10 people in the world that want one of these, as opposed to just like <laughs> an electric scooter that is now ubiquitous in most mm-hmm. metropolitan cities in the country. So. That, I, I think that brings up a really interesting point um, of uh, understanding like who your user actually might be. Uh, and so one of the things you're touching on, I think it's really interesting, kind of reminds me of like, 
Hollywood and, and the, the inter, like the film industry of you know writing screenplays. There's this concept of killing your darlings, where you know you you write a, a script for something and maybe the core original idea you fell in love with doesn't fit. You know this this movie you're, you're writing or whatever, and you have to kill that. And I think in product. Uh, we see that a lot too or there's this idea we think is so cool there's this thing we built that we're so excited about um, but really we sometimes have to, to mix those things because it's not what the, the user wants yeah I mean how many stories do you hear about where companies start out with one product and then 10 years later they look completely different I think the example that comes to mind is Trello yeah, right? Trello did not start as Trello it started as Fogbugs and it was like a bug management system and then they basically kept iterating on it, kept learning about their market, and they discovered new technology. And they just tried one thing that hit, which was basically the auto-update feature that Trello is famous for today, mm-hmm. uh, no matter where you're looking at your Trello board from. And that just took off, mm-hmm. right? And that's, you know, I think that goes to show, like, small baby steps can lead to big things. I love the idea of, and I, I've done it in the past as well, of testing landing pages, or we were fortunate where we had an existing product where we could use that as a testing board for other ideas and new products. Um, in this case, it was using our native mobile app for navigation to test the idea of on-demand insurance. If we could partner with someone and say, hey, you're already driving with us if you're taking this road trip, is this some like this add-on type of product that something you would pay for of interest? So we use landing pages and different calls to action throughout the experience, um, which is a great position to be in from a product standpoint if you have that testing platform. Um, how, if you're a product manager starting out with a new idea, do you gather that type of feedback without that type of platform to reach potential consumers? I mean, I've done things where it's, we're partnering with design and we've created, you know, Envision prototype UI things that you could put in front of a consumer or potential consumer via like surveys. But I'm curious from other people, like what else you guys have tried in the past or what have, what have you seen others do that that may be working? Like when you have you, a new how you, idea, how, how do you, do you just start validating a new idea? If you don't idea? have like 100,000 users exactly. to go talk to? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Jody, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I think this is really where the MVP comes into place, right? What is the thing that you can take sometimes, I mean, it could be an Excel spreadsheet or, you know, anything. How can you get a little bit of functionality just to put it in front of, you know, as many people as you can, whether it's friends and family or, um, you know, other people that you've met. We're lucky to be here in Denver where there's a great... ecosystem of other product managers of other people in technology and so depending on the space turn could you just get this in front of people mm-hmm. just to understand I think more than anything like is it is it impactful for people is it really going to solve the problem because MVP is really trying to get I think you were mentioning this a little bit with Trello but that product market fit yeah. right and it's mm-hmm. like how do you how do you try to really get something out there so you can understand what that could look like or how you could get to that right I think yeah. I think an MVP um, as, as, a, as a product should be like a minimum viable like overall business experience as well. So you should you know you should be thinking beyond just having a product and again like not expecting people to, to maybe find it, um, but you, you think of it, it as starting a business and, and going out and trying to validate it in ways that make sense. And so um, looking at uh, what your target you know consumer or who you think your target consumer might be. And in the really early stages of an idea, you may not have much of that. But I think one thing that's really important for a minimum viable product is you should have some vision of the problem you're solving. Like, 
that may pivot, that may change. You may find out that that problem isn't really a problem that's going to scale a business. But it, in those early stages, understanding what is the problem my minimum viable product is solving, uh, that's going to help you target places you can find people encountering that problem. And I mean, with the internet, you yeah. just start Googling, yeah. like, you know, finding, you know, forums, finding, you know, other people, I think we've touched on this in previous episodes, but, you know, other, other competitors or even non-competitors, just people in a similar space trying to solve similar problems and, and look for those gaps, you know, try and find places to start posting that, um, to start sourcing people who, who might be interested in using it. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great call. I think, you know, product hunt, it's a great place to go. If you're launching a tech product, just put it up there. You'll get mm-hmm. feedback. I think just go find your people, right? Like to Zach's point, if you kind of know what your target market is or if you're trying to validate that, just go talk, go find those people. If they're like grocery shoppers, go to a grocery store and be like, right. be that weird person in the aisle like, hey, you want to try this? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I I think we've all been that person, right? Yeah. Have you ever sat outside Starbucks and like, hey, I have a Starbucks card. Would you come look at my thing? Can't say <laughs> I've done that. No, I, I was uh, going to say, I do you think I would that, recommend a it. Natu- <laughs> that has to be a character trait as a product manager. You cannot be afraid to like walk up to somebody in our case, in Denver on 16th Street Mall, with a five dollar gift card for five minutes of your time, yeah. clipboard totally. and all, yeah. definitely, definitely have to, to be willing to to jump in there. Got to be willing to talk to strangers. Got to yeah. be willing to, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Unlike what you were told as a child, be willing to go talk to strangers. <laughs> Do you talk to strangers? Uh, so, <laughs> I was just going to say, I think you were bringing up a really good point as well. Is it is really important during the MVP phase to have validation for consumer and making sure that you're doing the product market fit. But the other really useful thing. About MVPs is to just understand the overall ecosystem. If you're going into the payment space, you should be talking to people and starting to understand with your MVP what does that look like. You know, if you're looking, if you need to partner, you know, with different types of organizations or other technology, like it's a great way to get more learning and validation around the overall uh, business solution. Um, so it is about kind of the product market fit, but it's also figuring out and uncovering things you may not know about, limitations, technology limitations, legal limitations, and things like that as well. Yeah, so here's a question. I mean, what you're talking about, Jody, made me think of this, and I think it'd be inter- I'd be interested to hear what you all think. Um, an MVP, in my mind, is you're, you're validating two things. One, that there is a problem, and that you know what that problem is, and two, that you have kind of a solution that solves that problem well. Right? So... I think that's very different though when you're trying to launch a brand new product and solve a brand new problem. Like if you're trying to launch a new product into the payment space for the first time, right? Your approach to an MVP may be a little bit different than if you have a mature product and you're trying to iterate on that and think through, okay, which iteration direction do we travel in or go in? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Does anyone have thoughts on the differences there and how you approach solving problems in those t- two spaces? A little bit. I mean, I think you sometimes have a little bit of a leg up in some ways with a mature product in the sense of some of your core business has product market fit. You have, you generally have an audience at that point. You have uh, customers who are willing to listen to you. And so I think for the most part when you're introducing a new feature in that case, there is some correlation, some overlap in the problem spaces to where... You know, some of your current users will probably be interested in in one of the new, new directions you're taking. Ideally, like the new problem you're trying to solve will probably be something that some of your current users care about. That's maybe not always true, but I think that can be a leg up. Um, I think the the flip side of that is that you can sometimes be a little bit constrained by what your core focus has been, um, and so I, I I think 
that's one thing. Uh, I, I think co- going back to a, like a completely brand new product idea where you know you don't have an existing product, or maybe you are pivoting in a completely different direction uh, entirely. Um, and I think that's where you start to have to get scrappier of finding an audience in the first place, finding you know people who can start to test your idea, who in, are facing the problem that is is your your goal and vision of solving. I think you're also with a new idea for a product versus having an existing user base. You have to leave that MVP phase answering a lot more questions than you would if you already have an existing product that may have a strong user base is already generating revenue. I think when you have this new idea, not only are you determining if there is a product fit in the market for that potential persona or consumer, but also understanding the business model is, I think there's a lot of great ideas and I've had the opportunity to work on something from ideation, but the idea was killed because there wasn't an actual sound business model behind that idea. So I think you have, a well, I, there's, pros and cons to both. You have the luxury of an existing user base to go test new ideas on, but you also don't want to alienate that existing user base and like work on a new feature or product as part of your existing like payments, for example. Like that's close enough like to our existing core, but you don't want to come out with a new thing that'll alienate your existing users to the extent that they're like I was using you guys for this, and now you're doing something completely different. So that was the point that I was thinking about when, Zach, when you were talking about that as well. With an existing product, another big challenge you have is you have to think about the opportunity cost, right? So if you pursue something that, like you said, um, is different than how your users are using the platform today, you have to think about how will their perceptions change um, of, of what you do, and how will the market perception change about what you do. And, you know, obviously, if you pursue something new and different and innovative in another area to maybe capture a different part of the market um, or, you know, be more competitive in the landscape, you have to think about that also comes at a cost of some of the other things you could do to make your current experience better. Mm -hmm. And so really, an MVP is a great way to when in an existing product to learn about those trade offs. Yeah. And is it worth making the trade off? Exactly. Yeah. So what we've talked a lot about minimum. What does viable mean? Yeah, I, I think that's like a, a pretty important question. And I, again, I think one of the misconceptions with minimum viable product is, oh, it's something small that's a test. And mm-hmm. that statement maybe isn't completely false, but it's it's lacking a lot of what a minimum viable product is actually supposed to be. Like, you know, if you look at kind of the whole lean framework and minimum viable products, like there's a little bit more to it than, than just that. You know, this isn't just a test. It's really validating is this like a scalable business? Is there enough? Of, is this problem space large enough that customers uh, enough customers will pay your your company money for your product um, in a way that, that can scale? Um, and so I think that's where viable comes in. Um, so it's not just validating, you know, are a couple of people trying this and liking it, but it's also, you know, will people pay for it? And, you know, or, yeah. you know, whether that's money for your product or, you know, for some product, it's like, you know, social products, is that your attention? Mm-hmm. Uh, for some products, maybe it's your time. Um, but that's, I think, one of the big questions is like validating the economics of it and not just getting users. And I think we've seen a lot of consumer uh, startup ideas over the past decade that have been really interesting and started and had a bunch of users, but they didn't have a sustainable business model. And so I think you could argue that they didn't quite have a minimum viable product. They had, I mean, they had a, they had a a, a cool technology, a cool, you know, feature, a cool app that people liked, but weren't willing to pay for. 
And yeah. I, I think viable is really where MVPs fall down or succeed. So I will be the first to put my hand up and say I've been a part of some of these MVPs where it gets mixed up with rollout strategy, right? As opposed to being like, what is the most valuable thing that tests a hypothesis? Uh, you know, it's something that's, oh, well, let's look at where we want to go to. And this is really the first like releasable thing that we could do. And so I think like advice for um, advice for other product managers would be really consider that and make sure when you're you're keeping true to what problem you're trying to solve and what your what hypothesis you're trying to test as opposed to just looking at what is the quickest thing that we can get out you know because a lot of times sometimes development stops and then you're stuck with something that doesn't solve anything and it's stuck in your code base and those things just live forever <laughs> yeah I think the viability is is for me, a business model associated with said idea. And there's a lot of ways that you can test that without fully investing in a payment processing. You could have a button and then there is a feature coming soon. Send us your email address and we'll update you as soon as we have you know more information. So I think you can test um, that those types of economic assum- assumptions without having to really build in that full functionality of accepting a credit card or whatever part of that engagement that you're looking for. I mean, you got to have a path to monetization. So if you can't answer that as part of the MVP, I think it, it is a good point to like do some inflection. And is this really where we should be? Should we go? Yeah, I don't think it like, I feel like there are two parts, right? There's one part that is you need to prove that someone is willing to exchange something of value, right? Whether to Zach, to your point, whether that's time, whether that's money, whatever that is, are they willing to give something up, right? Like, are they willing to give up an email address on that button? And I think the monetization piece, like the pricing piece is like the next step, right? Like, and I don't think that's what the MVP's job necessarily is. Just, or most MVPs probably aren't designed to figure out what the price should be. It's more to figure out, are people willing to give up something in exchange? And then maybe there's a follow-on exercise there to go through a pricing exercise and understand what that level of value exchange is. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my mind, at least, those are two separate things. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, th- I agree. I, I don't think you need to have like pricing nailed down for an MVP, but what you need to figure out is will people pay for this in yeah. some in some way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's been really interesting because that's kind of a caution of an MVP of like you know what what is in, encompassed in it. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple of other like cautions that we should like, give our listeners for MVPs. Uh, I think another one of those that kind of follows along this same thread of thought is uh, listening to user feedback. So. As you launch an MVP, it's pretty obvious. It's like, okay, we need to listen to our users. I mean, a couple of maxims jump to mind, even for non-product management folks, like the customer is always always right, you know, things like that. Um, and as a product manager, I mean, we're heavily trained to listen to your users, right? Um, but I think there's an inherent danger with an MVP where your sample size is often very small to begin with. Um, so, like, what cautions should we give about listening to user feedback early on in MVPs? Oh, man. I'd almost call can of worms on that one. But I will, worms. I will say this. Uh, there's a difference between listening to your users and obeying your users, right? And I think it comes down to how you listen to your users. Um, if users are requesting certain features, those may or may not be the best solutions to a problem, right? I think... My interpretation of listening to your users is getting a pulse on what the problems are. 
right? And can you suss out from what they're telling you what is the pain that they are experiencing? And they may not be telling you that explicitly, right? They may be telling you something along the lines of, um, I, I want um, more cash back through Ibotta. Like, okay, there are a lot of different things that we could do with that statement, right? What is the underlying problem? What is the pain that you're experiencing that is leading you to give that feedback to me? And that's the stuff, that's the gold that I think that we as product managers really look for. I agree, and I believe there's a little bit of art and science to that, right? It's really trying to under, un, like, uncover and unearth the underlying issues. So asking why five times, right? We talk about yeah. that all the time. It's like, but why did you do that? Why do you do that? And just really trying to understand. And that's why I love sitting with people, you know, and being able to watch them, you know, with internal tools, it's really easy a little bit harder with more of the consumer facing stuff but really sitting with them and you know seeing like where are they using sticky notes right to you know, what are the what are the measures they're using to create to solve these problems that they wouldn't self-report and so combining that and really getting to the under underlying cause and, and issues that they're facing but not just listening to feature requests that is a way that is the fastest way to kill products yeah. <laughs> the only thing i have to add to that is just also knowing your persona because there is a lot of noise from lots of different people but if you have a solid grasp on who you're trying to solve these problems for and understanding that persona really well um, i think that helps you kind of narrow down the plep the top of the funnel in terms of those feature requests so if you're, you know, intuitive, if the experience should be so intuitive that you come into Ibotta, you add a loyalty card, and then you start, you know, earning money through our app. Like, what is the fastest path to, to get to that for your, you know, your number one persona? So I think if you could just understand that piece best, it helps kind of filter out a lot of the noise. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's it's easy to, to want to listen to feedback because we're, we're trained for that. Um, and so... Uh, you know, we'll we'll hear something from users. I think especially in the early days, like you, you launch a new feature, a new product idea, and then you hear back from someone who has tried it or was thinking about trying your product. And of course, it's incredibly exciting, but I think we should be very focused on, like, is this person the person who has a problem I'm trying to solve? Because yeah. a lot of times you'll get a lot of very vocal feedback from people who probably aren't going to use your product anyway. And <laughs> right. I think that's one of the big cautions right. I give with an MVP is like, you'll hear from people who are like, hey, I wish your product was this other completely different thing. And yes. it's a blurry line between when to pivot and when to like trust yeah. your vision of the problem you're looking to solve. Um, and I, 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 yeah, that's a can of worms, I think. It, totally. We need a sound for can yeah. of worms, like a buzzer or something. Yep. So I'll add that to the can of worms list for us to talk about later. But I have, like, I have one last, did you go add one more thought there? Oh, it's just, I, I, on an anecdotal note, and this will, but you know, and working here, we're all in a similar demographic in the room, sharing with friends and family, like guys, yeah. go download this app and the fall guys, you need more organic products. I'm like, mm, I don't disagree with you, but are you my persona? Right. Like, are you my target? So, right. you know, like, again, we're starting to not. feel, yeah, you don't have five <laughs> kids at home that you're trying to feed as a family. So, you know, just knowing that and, and trying to use that yeah. as your filter is always totally. key. Just being cognizant of that. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about the waffle for a second? Yeah, we have, we have three minutes. Let's talk about waffle. Okay. Yeah. So there's been this new concept floating around that's called the waffle, W-A-F-L, and it's been peddled as an alternative to the MVP, in that the MVP leads to all sorts of problems, you develop things really fast, it's not actually good, and it's just a waste of everybody's time. The waffle is a, an alternative that stands for well-architected, functionally limited. Um, and I'm curious to know 
both of your thoughts or all of your thoughts on kind of what is is that a viable alternative to the MVP? Is that something that we should give life? Is that something that we should think about here at Ibotta? Yeah, I mean, I do like the idea of something that's well-built and limited in functionality. If you think again about honing in on a specific problem for a you know, a fairly specific demographic, like that's how you start to validate. I think a lot of people, they see you know, products like Google and Facebook that are in, completely ubiquitous. Um, and I think that's the exception rather than yeah. the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but even looking at like Facebook, what it, I mean, that started out as a product for like college kids. You had to have, I believe you had to have like a, 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 a college domain name to like sign up. And so it was very focused and that's probably part of what helped it like gain so much traction is they were focused on a, a core group of people. And as that gained in popularity, they were able to expand from there. And so I think with you know the waffle it's similar is like you should do something very specific target a specific persona a specific specific um problem that someone is facing but build it well enough that it solves the problem like and i I think you know it can't just be like a a really crappy thing it can be a, a lightweight thing it can be missing a bunch of features but for a certain subset of people it should be actively solving their problem yeah I would love to have that as a follow-up, like, full session, and I think for that one, it would be great to include a couple of our peers from an engineering standpoint, Mm -hmm. because I think that that could be a really interesting discussion, Mm -hmm. because I think from a product standpoint, we are focused on ensuring that there's a market fit for the idea, while an engineer is going to be very focused on building something correctly that can then scale. So I read that article, and I I found it to be really interesting, but I feel like an engineering manager wrote that. So it would be great to have a couple of perspectives represented there. Definitely, It'd be an interesting debate. I think when I look at a waffle, the implication for me is that there's a lot more upfront investment that may not be necessary to validate the product market fit. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would just get nervous. And I feel like the MVP concept is still a fantastic concept if done well. Yeah. But it also can not be done well. And we've talked a lot about that today as well. So I think, you know, for all of our listeners out there, trust the MVP, but make sure you do it right. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I would add to that, uh, as you're communicating with, with others in your company, other stakeholders, like communicate what the MVP is, what is needed for this to be successful, um, so that everyone's on the same page. Mm-hmm. Communication is good. Communication's good. That's what, yeah. <laughs> that's what they tell, <laughs> tell me. Um, okay, cool. So any, any closing thoughts on MVP before we wrap? Waffles next week. Waffles. 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 Syrup. Yeah, it's a breakfast item, definitely. Okay, so maybe a quick product exercise. Um, think of a new feature or product idea for your company and uh, note out how you would define an MVP for that. Um, take notes on what the minimum feature sets would be, the minimum necessary business outcomes, who your target persona and, and problem is, um, and then share that with your key stakeholders for input, and then go find some people who have that problem and see if you can get them to start giving input. I think that's great. The one thing I would add to that is, can you test an idea without talking to an engineer? Yeah, I think that's that's a great call. Just get it. $20 of $5 gift cards expense from your company and you're and golden. go stand in front of Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get arrested. Don't get arrested. That's the advice <laughs> yeah. here from those of us at Product Coffee. Uh, so that'll wrap up this week's episode. We'll see you next week. Uh, thanks for joining Product Coffee. Now go level up. <laughs>